about today. Um, we start the book of Genesis next week. This week, however, we, um, I wanted to talk about one more thing before we started this book of Genesis, uh, kind of dealing with our, our, our church, and that is about community groups. About a year ago, uh, I met Francis Chan. He moved here to San Francisco. Uh, we had mutual friends, but we really have never met before that. Um, when he moved here at the beginning of last, or this year, we connected over a, a meal and kind of shared our heart. We began to talk about why God called us to the city. I, I shared our story at Reality, why God had called us here to San Francisco. And um, he shared his story about why he was pastoring a church down in Southern California. And he left there to move here. And um, he said this one thing. He said, God called me here because I need to, I need to, f I want to figure out, I want to wrestle through in the context of, of, of a crazy city like San Francisco, what it means to make disciples. What it means to make, uh, to make followers of Jesus. How every follower of Jesus should be making followers of Jesus. Now, if you don't know what discipleship means, hang on. Um, he'll be talking about that in a second. I told him at that time that one of our biggest hurdles as a church was this issue of discipleship. Due to our growth as a young church... And the nature of a very busy city, most of you that go to school or have careers uh, work somewhere around 50 to 60 hours a week. And because of the busyness of, of San Francisco and discipleship is actually very, very difficult. It was happening in our young church, but we needed, um, where, where we wanted to be, we were not there yet. So we began to talk about this issue of discipleship, this intentional discipleship, Christians discipling people, Christians making Christians or or followers of Jesus making followers of Jesus and what that looks like in the context of San Francisco, in this city specifically and in this church. He then told me about a writing project that he was doing, writing some material uh, around this very subject of discipleship. I got really excited about it and we kicked around the idea of Reality San Francisco piloting this material in our community groups, meaning as he would write this material, we would take it and then we would implement it into our small groups and wrestle through it and offer feedback and kind of be a, a pilot, a, a test group uh, for this material. And we spent this, this last summer with our small group leaders, our community group leaders, and our leaders in this church, walking through what Francis will be teaching on today. Um, I, Francis taught, I taught, we had Pastor Britt from Reality Santa Barbara come up, and then Pastor Tim from Reality LA, and we spent just the whole summer um, with our leaders, just kind of getting them all on the same page, like, how, what does it look like to disciple your small group, and then make disciples that are making disciples that are making disciples, so on and so forth. So starting next week, we'll be beginning a new season of community groups at this church. <clears throat> and I, what we want all of these community groups to be centered around are these two things. First, living in biblical community, and second, making disciples. So if you're not in a community group, we highly encourage that you be, become a part of one. This is what our community groups will look like, living in biblical community. We, we hope that if you live in the mission, that you go to the mission group. If you live in um, the marina, you go to the marina group. If you live in uh, Lower Hay, you go to the Lower Hay group. Like, try to find the group closest to where you live, and this is why. We want groups to start living in community together, meaning we want you guys to live in close proximity together. To where it's not like I live very, very far away from my community group and every single time I want to do something with my community group, they're very far away and I can't. When, I, when we start to minister and serve, the, meet the needs of our community group's neighborhood, it's my neighborhood. That sort of thing. So, 
You guys are going to be walking through that. But the second thing, and I think, and this is what Francis is going to be talking about today, what I think is very important is that our community groups are focused on making disciples. We'll be going through some of the material that Francis is writing, and our hope is that every follower of Jesus, if you follow Christ at this church, that you can teach someone else, that you can teach, that you can pass along the story of God. And that's what this material is about. So, and to share more about that, please welcome Francis. You know, it's, it's funny, I, I think back to when I first met with Dave, you know, it was in January. Am I on? Yeah? Okay. Um, but I had no clue, you know, I, 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 I just knew, like, you no, know, the Lord's called me here for some reason, and, and it's been so cool, because even the last couple of weeks, I feel like God's just opened my eyes to so much that I was oblivious to at that time. It was, it was one thing, and, and, uh, Gosh, I want to talk about Abraham. I've been studying Abraham all day yesterday, but I'm not going to talk about him. But uh, <laughs> it, it was so cool, though, when I was reading about him because he didn't know. Like, God just sent him and said, look, all these things are going to happen through you. And he's like, okay. I, and he just took that first step of obedience. And, uh, and, and I, I just so resonated with that because I, I think to how clueless I was a few months ago moving here but really really believing this is where god wanted me and now everything coming together and i get so excited about it i i I didn't even realize i mean it's funny coming here i didn't realize there were so many asians in san francisco (laughs) i seriously that never entered my mind it was like just go it's like all right i get here it's like wow feel at home you know (laughs) it never crossed my mind that i was born in san francisco do you know I was born in Chinatown? Yeah, I was born in the hospital in Chinatown. My mother died giving birth to me in Chinatown. And my name, my Chinese name is Chan Yan Fan. And uh, the, the name for San Francisco is San Fan. See, you know, it's, I, they took the word from San Francisco and made that my Chinese name. They took that word Francis from San Francisco and made, gave me this name I've hated my whole life. And... <laughs> And I thought, wow, that never crossed my mind. You know, I buy this house, you know, move in, and I'm driving to uh, somewhere with my daughter one day, and we pass by the cemetery, and I go, I think my dad's buried in there. It's like a mile from my house, and I just realized my mom and dad are buried like a mile from my house. And all of these thoughts, and, and, uh, and then someone approached me like a couple weeks ago, and they said, do you even know anything about St. Francis of Assisi? I go, no. And uh, it didn't occur to me, but it was all about this guy who just took everything he had to give to the poor. And he goes, that's so weird, because that's so your heart. It's the same heart as St. Francis. And I thought, yeah, and I've been called a sissy. Um, (laughs) Just kidding. But it's just that whole thought of, all these things that I didn't even know, I didn't even get, and now I'm going, wow, it makes all the sense in the world that I'm here. And then just this burden that I have felt about church ever since I became a Christian in high school where I would read the Bible and I would get this sense like, it sure seemed different back then. 
Um, or I read the New Testament, it's like, man, church serves seem different than just having services and, and you know, and, and doing this thing and trying not to swear or trying to do bad things. Like, I don't, church was so much more alive. It was so much more of a family, so much more of a body. And, and, uh, and, and so in my frustration all these years and not knowing how to implement that or change that or fix anything i mean eventually i just felt like i just got to leave and and think and and uh, and to end up here in san francisco when god now just going yeah these things that have been bothering you have been bothering a lot of people it's like we know what the bible says and we want that and we hunger for that and sometimes what we see in church is so different and yet here i am in san francisco probably the city in the u.s that would be most open to changing the way we do church and going, let's get even more biblical and study this thing. And, uh, you know, meeting Dave and talking to him about this and seeing the need for space, you know, I'm, I think it's incredible that the day where you go, you know, we can't even fit in two services anymore is the day we start talking about this discipleship stuff because I think this really is the solution. God, God's plan was not that there would just be this one guy up front telling everyone about Jesus. And for you to bring your friends into this room and me explain Jesus to them. Um, the idea was that you would be so in love with him and so equipped that you could tell other people about him. That's why, you know, even when Dave brings that word discipleship up, I think some of you go, man, I, I don't even know what that means. It seems like a pretty, you know, major. It, it, it's not that complicated. Um, to me, the discipleship is when something so exciting happened in your life. Wait, let me, let me, okay, I didn't say that. Okay, discipleship is like, okay, <laughs> I ate at this restaurant the other day. It's right by my house. Okay, I live in Daly City, and um, this restaurant came in, um, and it's just the cheapest restaurant. You can get a meal for two ninety nine at certain hours. I know. It's called, see, I'm telling you about Skyline Cafe, okay? Between uh, 10 and 11 in the morning, between 3 and 6, and between 10 and 1. $3 meals, and it's good Chinese food. It's like the authentic, like hardcore, and so I tell everyone about it. That's discipleship, okay? <laughs> it, it really is, and in, 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 in its very simplified form is, Here's something I am so thrilled about. I have to tell you about this, okay? And, and what, what's supposed to happen in our relationship with God is there's such an amazing relationship here. I mean, when you read like what John says in 1 John chapter 1, he, he, he says, he goes, here's why I'm writing these things. He goes, I'm writing to you what we have seen Where the heck is it? Okay. No? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's in the very beginning. Okay. Um, verse, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we looked upon, we touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we've seen it, and we testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and his Son Jesus Christ. 
and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Okay, John's like, oh my gosh, I met Jesus. I touched him, I spoke to him, the things I saw. He goes, I'm writing this to you. He goes, why do I write these things and tell you all of this? He goes, because this would make my joy complete. You ever been so excited about something or enjoy something so much, but you got to tell someone about it or, or the people you love, you're like, man, if only she was here, if only he was here to experience this with me. And that's what John was talking about. He goes, man, I'm writing this because I, I spoke to him. You know, the one who created us, who made us, I spoke to him. I, I hung out with him. I got to tell you everything because the only thing that would make my joy complete is if you could have this fellowship with him too. If you could have this relationship with him too. And that's the premise behind discipleship. It's one person so in love with God. And as you start obeying the things of God and you start seeing your life change, you can't help but start telling your friends about it. And so what we try to do and what we're trying to do with this discipleship thing is, is help you. It's to teach you how to, how to teach and walk through the story of God with someone. Um, man, I, I got to tell you something. This is a story that I love. Two weeks ago, okay, I don't know if any of you guys went, but I did this. Um, uh, we, we, me and my friend Chris, we just decided to try to create a conference um, in the Tenderloin of San Francisco. Did anyone go to that? No? Yeah, it's real popular. And um, <laughs> no, but seriously, we had to turn people away. Hundreds of people showed up because I said, let's try, a, you know, let's do a conference where typically when you go to a Christian conference, you know, you get there, the band's going, then you hear some teaching, band goes again, then you teach, you know, band, teach, band, teach, band, teach for like two days straight, you know, and that's a Christian conference. I go, what if we tried something different where we actually did something? Okay, how about if they showed up in the morning and we had a worship time, you know, we taught and then we sent them out all day, like washing the feet of the homeless, you know, giving them pedicures, cutting their hair, knocking on doors, asking if they need groceries. Why don't we create a bunch of hot meals? And we just went on and on and on. We had, you know, free clothes. We had all of this stuff. So we had like 700 Christians show up to serve and come to this conference. And so what we did was, you know, I taught in the morning, then we had like eight hours of service, did a block party for everyone, all the homeless showing up and, and everything else. And then, uh, then at night we taught again. And you guys, it was, it was so cool. It, it's so different when you're out loving people and talking to them and doing something and then getting together and worshiping. And, but, but, but the thing is, is the Wednesday before, the Wednesday before Friday, we're, we're going to do this conference on Friday. And on Wednesday, uh, Roger, who's in charge of everything, he goes, we have no meat, you know, stocked up. This is City Impact. He goes, uh, we, we have zero, like nothing. And we have to make 10,000 meals. We're going to make 10,000 hot meals without meat, which I know is great for some of you vegans, but, but, but for, you know, for most people, it's like, man, I, I, I wanted, I, they, they wanted some meat, and, uh, and zero money in the bank, he asked his son, he goes, can I borrow your credit card to go buy a bunch of chicken or something, and um, chicken for 10,000 people is a lot of chicken, but get this, these people have been praying and fasting all week for this conference. Right after Roger made that announcement, about an hour or two later, Trader Joe's calls City Impact and says, 
all of our freezers just shut down. Will you take our meat? Come on. Are you kidding me? I know, isn't that the coolest? And so this U-Haul truck filled with like ribs and pork chop and steaks. And I mean, it was just one of those amazing, amazing things. And, and see, this is discipleship. It's me telling you, I got to tell you about what God's doing. I got to tell you some of the things that he's taught me. I got to tell you what I've experienced. Like when you experience stuff like that, I don't know about you, but there's nothing I love more than that. You know, when I see answered prayer and I go, I just spoke to God. Think about that. I mean, it's fun talking to you, but I spoke to God. Okay? And God answered me. Man, I would love to just sit here and tell you story after story after story of just prayers. that I, I would love to hear your stories of, man, one time this happened, and where you just go, you can't explain this outside of God. See, that at the core of this, I don't want this to become like this, you know, classroom education thing. I mean, some of that, that's definitely necessary, but at the heart of it, is not this mechanical, must make a disciple. No, it's about, man, I love these people. And I got I, I to gotta get them to know this God that I know because this life I have in him is unreal. And that's what John is saying there in 1 John. You got to get this. You got to get this. Um, but uh, let's, let, let's look at the text before I go on another tangent. Matthew, uh, Matthew 28 Matthew 28 is a passage that if any of you have been in church for a while, it's probably a passage you're familiar with. But I always, um, I like to go to those passages because some of that familiarity messes us up. You know, like some of you, the moment I said Matthew 28, you go, oh, I know this one, Right? And you know what I'm going to say, and you've heard it before, blah, blah, blah. And, and that's, that's scary, okay? I, I, mean, I mean, especially with a passage like this. I want us to look at it with fresh eyes and go, man, this came from the mouth of Jesus. Matthew 28, verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay, let's just, let's just look at this again. Okay, Matthew 28. And Jesus came and said to them. Let's just stop right there. Jesus came and said to them. Now, normally, those words would be no big deal. Jesus came and said to them. It's like, okay, Francis came and said to reality. Okay, except for the fact that Jesus was dead just a few days ago. Okay? So when it says Jesus came and said to them, that carries some weight. He had been crucified. He rose from the dead. And he told his disciples, look, I want you to gather everyone together at this one place. This risen Christ. And so when he shows up and it just kind of says, yeah, so Jesus came and said to them, that's a huge phrase right now. 
I, I don't mean to be morbid or anything like that. But I want you to think, what if someone you loved who has passed away came and said something to you today? I'm not saying you just heard a voice, but he physically showed up and had something to say to you. Would you listen? Would there be anything you'd listen to more than that? I mean, I told you, you know, right by my house, my dad's buried, which I was oblivious to. Now, what if my dad, you know, died when I was 12, showed up? I mean, obviously, I'd be freaked out, right? Just like these people were. See, that's why I'm saying, don't let this become familiar to you. This is real stuff. Why do we keep looking at Matthew 28? Because that's, that's pretty important when someone comes back from the dead and says something to you. I mean, I, I think if my dad said, I, you know, I was trying, I mean, you can't really put yourself in those shoes, but you just try. And I think, man, what if, what if he came to my doorstep? What if my dad came to my doorstep? Whatever he said, man, I would take so seriously, more seriously than anything anyone else had to say. I mean, if, if he said, you know, I want you to open a Mexican restaurant. Okay, that's weird, but I'll do it. You, you know, it's, it's just, a, it would, there would just be this weight to whatever he says. And here Jesus says, it, it says, Jesus came to them and said, and then look at the next phrase. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So you've got one person in history who says, look, I'm going to die, but I will rise again, and then actually pulls it off. And he comes back to these people, and they saw him crucified, and he stands in front of them. He gathers them together, and he goes, listen, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All power, all rule, all authority. I mean, every, I mean, think about it. For one human being to be standing at the spot, looking at these people, he goes, you know, every single ounce of authority that exists in heaven and on earth is right here. There's no one else you have to worry about. No one else you have to answer to. I am the only authority. Every bit of authority has been given to me. See, I don't have any authority. I don't have these rights. I can pretend or imagine or act like I've got these rights, but I really don't. The creator, the one who rose from the grave, he says, look, every ounce of authority has been given to me. And I don't know if you realize that and are willing to come under that or if you're still struggling right now going, no, this is my world. I got my rights. He has no right to... And, and we all have struggled with that at some point. I'm just telling you, when you come under the submission of this risen Christ, it's awesome. It's amazing. And that's what I'm here telling you about. This is the first John thing. It's like, no, you come under the power of this resurrected Christ, and it will change everything. Uh, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying it's amazing, and I would never go back. But he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. 
And, and, and uh, he's, he has said this before. I mean, earlier in, um, in John 5, verse 22, it, it says this. Jesus says, the Father judges no one. So you think, wait, Christ has all authority. It's all been given to him, but I thought, wait, but does it? But he says in John, the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Okay, so he even earlier had already told the people, look, I'm the one that's going to come back to judge. The Father's not even the judge. He gave me all authority. Do you understand this? I rose from the grave to prove to you. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then he says, therefore. Can you imagine how intently everyone is listening by now? Someone rose from the grave and says, I have every ounce of authority that exists. Therefore, you're just going, okay, what do, you, what do you have to say? What do you want me to do? I'll do it. I mean, what, what am I going to do? I'm going to fight that? So obviously the next few words are pretty critical. And what he says is go therefore and make disciples. I really believe that if Jesus would come in this room and incarnate himself once again and say something, I believe he would repeat this. I believe he'd say, I already told you what to do. I rose from the grave and I said, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Just go, go, go start making disciples. Tell everyone else what you just saw. Get them to follow me through baptism. I mean, baptism was this, I'm, I'm done. Okay, wow, I, I, I'm done with my old life. That's what it meant to go in that water. It's like I'm buried with him, and I'm going to rise again. I'm going to live a new life for him now. He always get other people to do that. I want to expand my kingdom. I want more disciples, more followers. And so I want you to go from here and go and make disciples. Now, if we're honest, I think a lot of us hear that and go, man, I've never made a disciple. Never baptized anyone. I'd say, man, that's probably 95, 98% of the American church attenders have never made a disciple. Meanwhile, I bet you at least 50% have memorized this passage. We, we, we do these weird things in church where we, we memorize it. And so when Christ comes back, it's not like, okay, watch this, I can say a word perfect. Is that really what he's looking for, and yet we've never made a disciple, and we're okay with this? See, and it's not your fault in, in many ways. See, as a church, we haven't, over the last few decades, really emphasized what Ephesians 4 tells us to do, which is the leaders are supposed to equip you for the work of service. It's not that we're supposed to hire a staff and they do all of the work. 
The Bible says that, he, that, that, that God gives us these teachers, these leaders like Dave and, and Tarek, and, and they're to equip you so that you can go and make disciples. But because the focus has been taken off of that, man, I did it for years where I just try to do everything myself, and then I look biblically, I go, wait, this isn't what I was supposed to do. And then pretty soon, people start feeling insecure, like, well, I can't do that because I can't do what Dave does. You know, like we need these professional people and only they can tell others about Jesus. And you start feeling more and more insecure. And then you hear these speakers go, man, I could never share like him. And yes, we'll use those gifts or whatever else. But ultimately, man, God, when you look at Jesus... He, he took simple people. He took, you know, a tax collector. He took someone like me. Man, that just, you know, I was just weeping about this yesterday as I'm praying to God. I'm in my backyard just talking to God. I go, man, I can't believe you used me for anything. Everything should have failed in my life. Man, when I look back at just the weirdness of my upbringing and the weirdness of, of me and my personality and everything else, and I mean, I was just the strangest kid. And then all my failures and the sin even after becoming a christian what a wreck i made of my life and then you're going to use me it's crazy that's what god wants to do he says i will specifically choose those people who realize man they shouldn't have been anything and i'm going to raise them up and have them sit with these princes i'm going to just do these things and it's just that picture of i realized man in my church i was doing too much at a certain point to where people got reliant on me and forgot that there was a power within themselves to do these things. That God empowers us to do this. He says, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Teaching them to observe. Okay, key word, observe. Teaching them to observe. That means to actually do. That means to actually act upon to observe what I commanded you. It does not say teaching them to memorize what I commanded you. Okay, when we go out and make disciples, it's great that you memorize stuff. It'd be even better if you did it. Okay? I taught them, he, he says, go out there and teach them to actually obey, actually observe the things that I commanded. So that's what we're trying to do with this discipleship thing is not just preach about it to where you're convicted about it or feel guilty about it. It's like, no, we're going to teach you how to do it. Um, that's, that's what I felt like the church was lacking. Is there a, a practical form where I can help someone? It's kind of like, I don't know how to explain God to someone else. Well, here, let me, let me walk it through step by step with you. You know, and yet at the same time, you got to listen. You got to build relationship. You got to know what that person needs. Jesus didn't just give a cookie cutter message to everyone he ran into. Depending on who it was, he had a completely different message. And that, that's why this is, this is so huge. Um, you know, it says in 2 Timothy 2.2, it says, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So, so get this. Get this even right now. What's supposed to happen is I'm supposed to teach. You know, Paul says, what, what you heard from me in the presence of bunch of people, he goes, teach to reliable men. Okay? Who will in turn be able to teach others also. You get that? So I get this stuff from the word of God, from God himself. I pass it on to you. But the reliable people, I'm supposed to look for the reliable people who will in turn pass it on to someone else. 
See, for too many years, church has been, I'm going to sit here and see what I can get out of it. No, you're supposed to get something out of it to pass on to someone else. That was the picture of discipleship. This way it doesn't end. It doesn't just cap right here. Ah, oh, the people in the room got the message. No, the people in the room got the message and then passed it on to the thousands of people they knew. That's the picture here is we want to teach you how to not just hear the word of God, but how to pass it on to other people. Because the, the truth is, is, look, if you say, hey, Francis, will you come to my workplace and tell people about Jesus? It's like, what's that going to do? They don't know me. They don't trust me. So some stranger comes into their workplace and tells them about Jesus. It's like, just get away from me. I, I've heard it all before. Or, or you're going to bring friends here, you know, and say, yeah, you got to hear, you know, this guy. You got to hear Dave. It's like, they don't know Dave. Why should they trust him? I don't trust him. No, I, you know, I mean, why? It, it, it's all about, well, yeah, well, I trust this guy. I know this guy. You know, it's like, no, they know you. They've worked with you. You've got relationship with them. Man, you're the best one. To, you know, you're the one that has a burden for them. Because, you know, some of you here because a friend brought you, and it's because they love you. The same thing, that First John thing. It's not like, we're not trying to convert people. We're just going, man, I experienced this thing with God. I talk to God. He listens to me. Man, my whole future said, I've got this peace, this joy, and I love you. I just want you to get it. You know, if you're rejected, you're rejected. But, man, they bring it because, man, I, this is so good, so real. See, that's when people are going to go, okay, you're not trying to get something from me. You just really care about me. You've experienced something so good. See, I, I want to ask you something. If, um, let's say reality didn't exist, the reality of the church didn't exist, and, um, and you're, uh, um, let, let's say you're in San Francisco by yourself, as far as no other Christians here. Okay, imagine that right now. Pretend you are the only Christian left in San Francisco. You imagining that right now? Would you be able to keep growing in your relationship with God and in your knowledge of Scripture? And would you be able to now tell other people about Jesus... And teach them to obey everything that Christ has commanded you. I mean, are you confident enough right now in, in everything God's given you and the knowledge you have that, you know what, if I were here by myself, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I really believe I could do this. I know, I, I know, I know my Jesus. I know how to get into the Bible and study for myself and grow. And I know how to pass it on to other people. And I think eventually, man, the Lord would bring people and I would be able to instruct them and they could instruct others and we, we, we could start a church. See, I'm guessing most of you look at that and go, man, I don't know. That's kind of overwhelming. So no one, no one to teach me, no one to call me, make sure I'm doing okay. And that's okay right now. But the point is, is it shouldn't be that way. That's what discipleship is supposed to do. That's what the church is supposed to do is to equip you so that, you know what, you can stand on your own two feet. In fact, you can lead others. I've got five kids. My oldest, uh, my youngest is three months old, and my oldest is a junior in high school. And a huge gap 
but it's weird right now. It's the junior in high school. So I got like a year and a half left with her. And my goal as a dad is I want to know that a year and a half from now that she could survive on her own. I'm not saying she has to. But I, I got to know. I mean, if she's coming back to me at 30 and still at the house and going, man, can, just a, can you raise my allowance? You know, and still having mom cook for her and everything else. And I'd be like, honey, I didn't do a very good job. You were supposed to be able to work a job by now and make your own money, pay your own insurance. You, you, you were supposed to be able to start your own family, and build relationship and, and have other friends, not just mom and dad. You know, like I was supposed to prepare you for this. You get that? And see, understand in the church, that's what we're supposed to do. Is I know right now you're going, gosh, that's a lot. But that's the point of all this. I mean, don't you want to be one of those people where you go, you know what? If you left me here alone, I could do it. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I would just depend on him. But I know how to now. And I know how to teach other people about God. See, that's the goal. That's the goal of discipleship. Because that's what my youth pastor did with me. Man, when I was in high school, I became a Christian, and he, he expected me to tell my friends about Jesus. He, he couldn't get on campus, and it, it would have been weird, you know? But he said, no, that's your job. You love these guys, and you teach them. I remember when I was 17 years old, I was going to go to summer camp, you know, with, with the whole group. And, and he, goes, he goes, actually, he goes, you're not going to go with the seniors in their cabin. I'm, uh, I'm going to put you in charge of the freshman guys. I'm in charge? And suddenly he goes, no, this is, you, you, it's your job. At some point, man, I teach you, but then you're supposed to take over. And now these, you know, 10 freshman guys, they're yours. They're yours. You're the one that's supposed to teach them to observe everything God commanded. You be the example. You be their path. I'm 17. And I remember, you know, getting in their lives, and, and you learn, you try to figure it out. I remember one of their moms called me. Because she needed advice on parenting. I'm 17. I had to ask my stepmama, what would you do? You know, it's just. But, but I tell you, there's something about given that responsibility that we all get afraid of. But you know, until you're in charge, until you have that responsibility, you can only grow to a certain point. And I believe that has been the fault of the church. I believe that has caused a weakness in the American church. We have people that show up and consume, consume, consume. 30 years into it, they still have not given out. They still don't know how to stand on their own two feet. They're still saying, give, some, give me someone to disciple me. Your Bible studies aren't deep enough for me. Can't you keep feeding me more and more? I need more allowance. And I'm going, man, you've been here 30 years and you, you can't do this on your own yet? That's the same thing Paul struggled with. He goes, man, you should be, some of you have been a Christian over a few years. He says, you should be eating meat and you're sucking on a bottle. I mean, how weird would that be if I were sucking on a baby bottle right now? <laughs> and so we understand this has been a problem in the church for a while. And it's so cool because I believe God is calling us. Reality San Francisco 
to say, it's time to change this. It's time to set a new pattern where we actually raise people up who can stand on their own two feet and share with others. I mean, the leadership will always be here, and I believe they should be. I mean, just like I'll always be there for my kids. Once they graduate, once they go out of the house or whatever, I'm still here. But you know, I'm grandpa. I take a different role in their lives. And I'll still always be there to instruct, but they shouldn't need me so much. And so I want you to get that picture in your mind that one day you say, God, I want to be this. And, and, and let me comfort you with this because he ends the passage by saying, and I will be with you always. I will be with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus, after he rises from the grave, says this, commands them, go, make disciples, teach them to baptize them, teach them to obey everything I commanded you. He goes, and I will be with you always. That means right now, I'm not alone. Right now, I genuinely believe that what I said will resonate with some of you. Not because I'm a great communicator or this or that. The mere fact that I'm not alone right now. That God is with me. Jesus promised. But realize it's in the context of making disciples. Which is what I'm trying to do right now. So I have the confidence that goes, I'm not by myself right now. Jesus says he's with me. And those of you, you know, one thing Jesus would say is, he who has ears, let him hear. Some of you will hear what I say and go, yeah, I get that. I'm going to do that. I need to do that. I want to do that. And others, you just go, I don't want anything to do with that. He also said, after he rose from the grave, he, he told him, look, don't leave. He told the disciples, he goes, whatever you do, don't just go and leave just yet. He goes, stay here, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the gift. He goes, see, if you leave right now and you just start trying to make disciples, he goes, you're going to screw everything up. He goes, don't. You can't do it by yourself. He goes, I'm going to be with you, but wait. Remember, I promised you this Holy Spirit was going to come and fill you. You wait in that room until that happens, and then that's going to enable you. He, he says in, in, in Acts 1-8, he goes, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit falls upon you. And then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. So understand that. If you're right now going, man, I don't know if I could ever do that. You can't. Not by your own power. You'll screw it up. But the Bible says God gave us his spirit for this. Why does he give us his spirit? See, some of you guys go, but I've never experienced the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's because he never tried to make disciples. He says, I'm going to give you power to be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit wasn't so that we would just get in a room and feel something. Go, ah, I think I felt him. You know, it, it's just, it's, it, it, that wasn't it. It was like, I'm going to give you this power. Why? So that you can bless the world. That's the same thing he said to Abraham. I'm going to bless you. Why? So you can be a blessing to all the nations. Why has God so blessed your life? Why has he saved you? Why is he with you? Why does he fill you? So that you can go and make disciples. So that you can be his witnesses. Not for Dave to do or just me to do or Tarek to do it or anyone else that comes on this stage. And so that we all go, man, this is my job. 
and God's going to fill me to do it. And then I'll start experiencing these supernatural things. That's what the Holy Spirit came to do. It wasn't just for you. This gift was so that he would empower you. That's why, last thing I'll say, well, no. Okay, how much time do I have? What, I, I quit now? 10, 10, can I get seven, three more minutes? Four? Thanks. Okay, so, 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 okay, let me skip that one then. Okay, here, here's the thing. No, no, no. Wait, what was I going to say? Hurry. Okay. Okay, 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 okay. Luke. Um, Luke 12. Okay. Luke 12. Shoot. My eyes. <laughs> I can't read it. Okay. Luke 12, verse 11 says, And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Okay, he says when you're in front of these rulers, these synagogues, they're asking you questions, you, you're freaked out about that. He goes, but don't worry about that. The Holy Spirit will teach you when? In that very hour what you should say. What does that tell you about the Holy Spirit? It's as we're put in these predicaments where we're going, this is over my head. He goes, that's in that very hour he's going to tell you what to say. See, some of you never put yourself in that very hour, so you never experience him. You're going, no, I want to experience experience you now so that I know when that hour comes, I'll have the words to say. It's like, no, 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 I'm going to give it to you then. And that's what he gave to you. Look, I got two and a half minutes left, and here's what I want to say. There were two times... Okay, there may be more, but I, I've only found two. There could be more. You can correct me if I'm wrong later. Um, two times in the Gospels where I see Jesus was amazed, where someone amazed him. He always amazed everyone else, but two times he was amazed. One time was in Luke chapter 7, verse 9, when, uh, when he's in his hometown. Luke 7, verse 9, it says, when Jesus heard these things, oh, no, no, don't look at that one yet. No, 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 Mark 6. Okay, keep your finger there. Then that's anticlimactic, Matthew, Mark. Mark 6, Mark 6, verse 6. He says, and he marveled because of their unbelief. See, verse 5, it says, he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hand on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Jesus was amazed. He couldn't even do miracles there because no one had faith, and he was like, wow, I can't believe how little faith you have. The other time is in Luke. Luke chapter 7, verse 9, the story of the centurion. And it says in verse 9, Jesus heard these things. He marveled at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. That was the, that was the, the, the Roman centurion who says, man, my daughter's sick. And he says, go get Jesus, go Jesus. But tell Jesus, Jesus, you don't even have to come to my house. He goes, you're so powerful. You could probably just from wherever you are, you know, send one of your messengers to heal my daughter. And Jesus goes, no way. That guy believes. There's a guy that believes. I haven't seen anyone like that in all Israel. And at that moment, his daughter was healed. And I go, man, that's cool. See, I want to be one of those guys 
where God marvels at my belief. Where he just goes, man, Francis just thinks I can do anything. You know? And that's what this is about. That's why I love hanging out with Dave. The vision. It'd be so easy right now to say, hey, we got like 700 people, two services. Let's just call it a day and hang out, hold hands for the next 10 years. It's like, no, let's, let's see what else. We're let's start another service. Let's just have a prayer meeting over here. Maybe we'll start a campus over there. You know, maybe let's disciple everyone. And maybe all of these people can create their own gatherings. And I go, okay, that's the type of faith I want to be a part of. Okay. And so today, as the worship team comes up, I want to challenge you to think through your faith. Do you really believe that the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead is inside of you? Do you go, you know what, Lord? He's in me. I can make disciples. I, I don't really need all these other guys. I've got the Holy Spirit with me. And thank God for these leaders and teachers that will help me. But I'm going I'm to do this thing. And maybe even right now you're thinking of people at your work that you're just believing God for. Saying, God, you know what? I'm the, I'm the, I'm the hope for them. Is that they would see God in me and see a life in me and see a joy in me and a peace that they'll want.